What's going on, guys? Welcome to this episode of the Pre-BT Grind Podcast. I'm having a DBT info session with Spalding University down in Kentucky. They're a hybrid program, are considering applicants without a bachelor's degree. Just listening to learn more about what they got going on. They're a new program, learn more about how their accreditation is working, what applicants they're looking for, how they are as a school, what they're looking to do in the future. I think it can be beneficial for many of you to consider applying to. So if it vibes with you, if it works for you, if you're considering them, if you like what you hear, consider applying. If not, there's plenty of other schools out there that you can apply to. But I talked to the program director not too long ago, and I liked what I heard about them trying to decrease barriers for more applicants who could be great physical therapists to get into uh, PT school to become one. So I think this is a great episode for many of you to hear. And if you guys are new or returning listeners, and you have not gotten our free PT school acceptance guides yet, to help you get into PT school, go to acceptanceguides.com. I'll put that link in the description as well. That's acceptanceguides.com. Get our free PT school acceptance guides there to teach you all about how to become a physical therapist and all that it takes to become one. And if PT is right for you, it's all there. Take a look at it. Then on the next page, after you get the free ones, uh, you can get all 16 of our guides if that vibes with you as well. So check that out and enjoy this episode. All right, guys, welcome to this info session, this podcast, this video, wherever you guys are listening to this, whenever you guys are, we have a very interesting, amazing, insightful, informative <laughs> um, information session for you guys from Spalding University, their DPT program. Uh, I talked with the uh, department chair not too long ago, and I was very interested in what they have going on. So I wanted to make sure you guys heard about it too and got the opportunity to come in live and ask questions and hear about it as well as catch this on replay wherever you're hearing it as well. So we'll have more information in the show notes and at the end of this session on how you can get in contact with them, apply and all that good stuff. So we have, um, is it Dr. Tasso or? Mm -hmm. And we have the department chair, I never got it. Was it Eliza or Alyssa? Um, I go by Lisa. 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 Yeah, my first, it's got an E in front of it, but I go by Lisa. Lisa. Perfect. Perfect. Uh, Lisa is the department chair, correct? Yeah, chair of the School of Physical Therapy. Chair of the school. And yes. Kay is the program director, correct? Yes, of the DPT program. Yeah, so the entry-level program. Perfect. Yeah, perfect. but we have a lot of things going on in our school. So I'm the chair and I'm kind of the... Um, Dr. Tyson is the one that keeps the trains on time. I'm the one who like <laughs> tells her where the trains need to go, you know, and what needs to go on the train, but she makes sure the train gets there. So uh, I'm sure uh, that might sound familiar. You're shaking your head. It might sound familiar to, um, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, but like I said, we've got, we're a new school, but we've got really, you know, we've got a lot of things going on. Um, so I'm really happy to, I mean, I'm, don't uh, interrupt if there's something you'd like to interrupt. No, um, no, go for it. Okay. Let's get right into it. Tell us all about um, Spalding University, their DBT program. Um, well, Spalding is a um, small liberal arts college in downtown Louisville, Kentucky. Um, it's been around for over 100 years. Um, we have a lot of uh, health professions programs um, and prep health professions programs at the graduate level. And for me, coming to Spalding, I've I came um, in. I start my first day on work at work was February first, twenty twenty, and we all know what we were doing by April first of twenty twenty. So that tells you how much time I was able to be on campus. But um, I came to Spalding because um, 
first of all, I had, when I went to PT school in Virginia, um, I had an opportunity to do uh, my final clinical in Louisville, Kentucky. Um, tell you a little bit about Louisville too. Louisville's a, uh, one of the primary industries in Louisville is health care. Uh, there's, a, there's a lot of big hospital systems in Louisville. So I, I, that was one of my clinical sites um, and loved Louisville and was really happy to come back three years ago. And um, I like Spalding because of the history of health professions programs, history of graduate programs. So they've got a nice infrastructure and, you know, makes it, it just makes, you know, just made it easier for us to get the program up and running. And, you know, despite the pandemic, we, um, I mean, I literally was on campus for six weeks and had to leave. And uh, we were able to get everything, um, you know, we got our we got a building renovated. We got everything done. Um, got accreditation uh, documents and all that in, um, despite the the pandemic. So um, we're ready to roll in in August. Ready to enroll students. Um, I'll tell you a little bit about the program. We're we're a hybrid, but we're a little different than some of the hybrids that you may have heard about. Um, we're uh, we're a little more than traditional length um, in terms of months, but we also, um, so we're, we're 41 months to complete, but we have only 110 credits. And for us, that means, it, Dr. Tasso and I have real experienced educators. We've been in education for a long time. And, you know, one of the things, uh, I know Casey can attest to this, you know, PT programs can be like drinking out of a fire hose. You know, they just turn on the spout. And, and we hope that the combination of our hybrid, uh, where students will travel to campus once a week, uh, in one week every month. And we wanted to have a longer program to give students an opportunity to, um, you know, travel if they want to have some downtime. Um, we call it a little more lifestyle conducive. So that's, that's kind of the rationale for um, why we want it. We, you know, we, we want a hybrid because we want to make this accessible to people that are outside of Louisville. But we also, again, want to make it um, just not quite so, again, um, I guess, Horrific. whatever word you want to use. Yeah, <laughs> whatever word you want to use. Um, and, and we hope that will lead to success. And, you know, I thought about what uh, Casey's doing, which is so exciting. And I think folks that um, maybe having some, you know, your, your plans to go to PT school weren't quite, haven't happened quite as you thought. Um, but, you know, maybe our, our kind of program is maybe conducive to you too, because it, it just won't be, I mean, like I said, it's a little, little longer, but uh, in terms of time to completion. Um, but, um, you know, we, we think that's going to be just for the mental health of our students, we think that's a good model. Hey, you want anything? Yeah, go That's for okay. it. That's okay. Let folks ask questions. Cool. I have a few questions to get us started, uh, just to give a little more background about your program. And if you guys have questions, ask it below and make sure it's on everyone so we all can see your questions. But um, let's start with the um, not necessarily no bachelor's degree, but can you explain um, the new kind of innovative kind of program you have going with that? Sure. Um, we decided um, really because of the pandemic, once the pandemic started and students were starting to get through spring semester of 2020 online, um, 
you know, started to read articles about how hard that was. Um, and I'm sure you all took classes that, you know, you were in college and you took classes and, you know, we called it, um, there was a, a term that was used a lot. It was called, you know, building the plane while you were flying it. And so we thought, you know, we're all, I mean, we want to deliberately do a hybrid program. We've got faculty um, who um, are experienced with online learning. So this wasn't something that we've been doing just since 2020 because we had to. We, we're experienced with online teaching and teaching in a hybrid format. So what I decided, you know, when all this was going on, I went to the university and I said, you know, let's let's create a track where students can enter without a bachelor's degree. And the first year of the program can be, um, it's the first year is 31 credits. So if you transfer in 90 credits, which, you know, most people are going to have by the junior, the end of the junior year, have 90 credits, then you can come into the first year of the program, as long as those credits include the prerequisites. Um, but you could come into the program and um, then at the end of your first year, have a bachelor's of health sciences degree. And then the one track you, you are admitted, you know, what we consider fully admitted as seniors in college and go through, um, you know, the, the 110, you know, 41 months of the program. Um, we also just had another track developed for people that, um, again, I think with my and Dr. Tasso's experience, um, and, and I think the pandemic learning has made it a little worse. You know, we're seeing students whose GPAs are just all over the place and their GPAs and their GREs don't match up. So, but but we think that they've got you know, potential. So we've got a track that if you've got a bachelor's degree, we'll admit you in what we call our second bachelor's degree. So you'd come in and take all the first year courses with the cohort. And then um, as long as you progress like you would have to anyway in the program, as long as your grades, um, then you can go into the second year. You can start the second year, be fully admitted in your second year. But I like this kind of this option too, for people that are, you know, maybe close, um, you know, uh, but still have a few hurdles to overcome. Um, if you're going to, my, my thought was, if you're going to be taking anatomy again or chemistry again at the community college, why not come and start the PT program? And, you know, take the first year. It's it's no game. I mean, obviously, everything's a gamble. Um, but you really have nothing to lose in terms of, um, you know, getting into the, uh, as long as you meet the same academic progression standards as you would anyway, then you can be admitted begin into the program beginning the second year. I love it. I love it. Anything else to add to that, uh, Dr. Tassel? No, I was just answering Sonia's question about the length, and it's um, 11 semesters, and one of the reasons that it is is because, like Dr. Zuber said, we really are trying for more of a, a life balance. Um, PT school is extremely intensive. I don't care where you go. And um, a lot of these days, a lot of the students have families, spouses, jobs, whatever, and um, it, it's just it's just too much. So we're trying to make it more compatible with life. It, it doesn't make it easy. It just makes it a little bit less intense. So we have fewer credit hours per semester. 
For example, one of the traditional models that's relatively close to Spalding has 21 credits the first semester. We have 11. <laughs> um, we have three classes, so it's just not quite as intense. And that's that's all partly why. And, you know, the other thing um, along, you know, along those lines, um, just if you think about the length, um, students would come to campus one week every month, but what's technically the fourth year is only two semesters. And those two semesters, the first is all online. There's no lab courses. And then the second semester is clinical. And so in reality, you have to come to campus only three years instead of the fourth. So the fourth year is um, two semesters of online and clinical. And we also intentionally, when we developed um, the program, we went after clinical sites nationally. We didn't really focus on the Louisville area because we wanted to attract students. We want to be available and accommodating the students anywhere. So we have a lot of clinical contracts with, you know, with PT facilities all over the country. We can't guarantee you that we'll place you close to home, but that would, you know, we're we're really trying to um, again anticipate uh, that that not everybody's going to be in Louisville because you don't have to come to Louisville to um, you don't have to live in Louisville to, to do the program. Perfect. Perfect. So I was taking notes on this question. So just to wrap it up, if I was a pre-BT to make sure I understand this, then we'll move on to Sonia's question next. So what I was understanding is that the program is basically three and a half years-ish. Okay. 41, 41 months. Okay. Got that. So somewhere around three to three and a half-ish years. Um, with clinicals, you're, you have nationwide potentially nationwide spots, but can't guarantee, of course, can't guarantee any certain spots there. Um, then the credits per semester, the summer semester, the first summer semester is how many credits again? Well, they would start in the fall. Okay. And the first semester in the fall is 11 credits. Gotcha. So that's three classes. Three classes. That's what I mean. Three classes, 11 credits. All right, got that. And I think that was the big things that I wrote down there. And cool, perfect. Those are the big things. I just wanted to make sure I was I was clear. Okay, perfect, good, and, good. And one other one other distinction too um, that's a little bit different than most places these days is we do try and get folks out and their clinicals early. So after your first year of PT school, you'll be in the clinic for four weeks. And then there's two eight-week clinicals. And then the final clinical in the final semester is 12 weeks. So if students are able to get a variety of what, what's required by accreditation, which is a variety of settings and a variety of ages, that last rotation can be a specialty kind of rotation. So if somebody such as yourself, Casey, you know, came to school and you got everything else you wanted and you say you did outpatient if that's what you wanted. And you go, you know, I really like that. I'd really like to go back. Or I'd really like to do a sports one. Or I'd really like to do pelvic health, women's health. Or I'd really like to do a peds or a hand or whatever. Then that's what that one is for, which is a really, really good luxury to have that, that you don't always get. 
Perfect. Perfect. Oh, this was the last thing um, to make sure it's clear for everyone um, with the entry options again to go over that one more time. Um, you can either and I'm reading the notes here. You can either um, be a senior in college. And we can clarify this, but senior in college yeah. um, or you already have your bachelor's degree and you can enroll as a graduate. Right. That's and correct. Mm -hmm. Perfect. Well, and one of the distinctions with we have we have really three kind of entry tracks. One is for traditional. You have a bachelor's degree. You come in and you're admitted to graduate school into the doctoral program. Um, the next track is um, you come in as a senior in college, don't have to have a bachelor's, but you have to have all your prerequisites and obviously meet the minimum, you know, criteria. Um, and you're fully admitted, um, but at the end of your at the end of your senior year, you've got a bachelor of health sciences from Spalding. And the third option is the students who, um, you know, other programs may say, you know, we the average, uh, you know, the average GPA is three point five, and we don't have to take people with a three point two or three point one because um, we can take them with three point five. So. The third option is um, students who may, you know, whose academic record might not be consistent. You know, maybe I saw on your video today, Casey, on your uh, Facebook page, um, you know, the example of someone who didn't do well their freshman year and it totally blew it, you know, for the whole, um, you know, just really thrashed the GPA. But, you know, students show that they had academic promise, they've got good grades and their prerequisites. Um, and, and we see some students, you know, who have just maybe a disconnect between jury and um, GPA. So the third track uh, is for students who have a bachelor's degree, but um, maybe, um, you know, we think you might, I mean, other schools might have said, you, we're not going to take you and you're, you were planning to take pre, you know, take, raise your GPA. Um, we look at everything and say, you know, we'll we'll give you a chance and but admit you as a as a second bachelor's degree student. Um, but if you meet the academic standards, academic progression standards, then you'll go into the second year of the program. And that um, that option too makes even though it's a second bachelor's, um, you are eligible for um, federal loans um, for. Um, just like you would be as a graduate student. Gotcha. So for that third option, they are required to have their bachelor's degree? Yes. Okay, perfect. All right. Makes sense. Makes sense. Perfect. I like it. I like it. So next question, let's explain this accreditation thing. I've done it plenty of times, um, but for those of you who are interested to know more about it or how it works or why it is the way it is, um, Either one, you can go ahead and explain how that works and if you're accredited or not and how that process is. And then after that, if you don't mind, Casey, Zach had a great question that I can't answer online. So we'll talk about. Oh, perfect. Sounds great. Lisa, you want to take that one? Sure. I'll, I'll start. And I'll also um, give you my background, too. I spent 12 years as associate director at accreditation. Um, so I speak accreditation fluently. Um, <laughs> and. The process now, um, several years ago, the U.S. Department of Education said, 
we don't want students going into new programs and getting all the way through and then the program doesn't get accredited. And then the students, you know, that rarely, rarely happens. And again, my 12 years, uh, I mean, I've, I've worked with accreditation, being a site visitor and all that for um, over 20 years. But um, that rarely happens, that, a, that students get all the way through. It rarely used to happen. Now, the, the status of candidacy, which we have, we're, we have candidacy. And that's an accreditation status. So students can, you know, can will graduate and be able to take their boards, um, regardless of our accreditation decision, you know, our, our first accreditation decision. Um, and then it's a little convoluted in case you have, if you've got any other hadn't got feedback from talking with other people. Um, if you really dig down to the CAFTI rules, worst, worst case scenario, you know, we you get through the program. Captie says, you know, we're not going to accredit you. So we have appeals and we go through the appeal and they say, no, you didn't fix everything. Captie's rules say, if you took one class, if you enrolled and took one class, you're graduates of an accredited program. So what that, you know, what that does for students is it, um, it I can say that scenario would be anxiety producing for everybody. But that scenario though protects the student. Um, so, you know, CAPTIS will say if you take one class, if the program has candidacy and you take one class, then um, regardless of what happens with the program's candidacy, you know, accreditation decision, you, you'll be a graduate of an accredited program. Makes sense. Makes sense. Anything to add to that, Dr. Tassel? Yeah, I was starting to type it so folks could see it too. So the first step in the accreditation process is to apply for candidacy, which we did gain. The next step is not until that group, which would be our first group this fall, um, is about ready to finish their final year. And then we have to go up for full accreditation, regardless of whether we're granted that or not, that group is allowed to sit for boards. Perfect, perfect. So. Let you two let me know if I'm explaining this right. But how I like to explain it to students is the the pre-PTs, the application cycle versus the school's quote unquote application cycle. So pre-PTs, they have to apply and they get accepted or accredited, right? And the physical therapy schools, they have to apply and they're granted candidacy, but their acceptance, quote unquote, is the accreditation. Is that fair, yep. right? Perfect. Yeah, that's a perfect analogy because, you know, we go through the accreditation process and can't guarantee we're going to get accredited, fully accredited. You start PT school and can't guarantee that you're going to finish. But again, uh, the um, completion rate for you know for PT students is in the upper ninety percent. So most everybody who starts PT school finishes. And recently, there's not been any programs. Probably in I can't remember the last program that didn't get accredited. The last PT program. There, there have been some physical therapist assistant programs, but it's just extremely rare. Um, because I can tell you the process is so, I mean, just like uh, that's a great analogy, Kate, Casey, because we're working just as hard as you are <laughs> to get accredited. And, you know, it's um it's it's a huge hurdle. And so we feel really confident that, you know, we keep 
we've cleared the first hurdle and um you know the I won't say the second hurdle isn't as hard but um it's it's not as hard as the first hurdle so yeah. not as hard as getting in the door absolutely. absolutely I love your analogy good 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 um I've heard it works I've heard they understand it so I like to use it so okay, good good, good. Yeah. it's great glad to know glad to know you guys um it it, it works for the analogy so um Let's see, Zach had that question about the military. Um, go for it, Dr. Tassel. Sure. So that's a that's a tough question to answer, um, Zach, in and of itself. We do have a person now who is in the reserves who will be starting in the fall. Um, my understanding from her is there's some sort of... Um, you know how the military has their own language, and I don't recall what it is. There's some sort of method that allows her to come to PT school and then not, then she'll go back in the military when she's done. So I think part of it depends on what you were in with the military. Um, and I am not well versed in the military, so I'm not quite sure how to answer that. But please feel free to unmute and give me more information if you think that would be helpful. Hey, Dr. Tesa, uh, Zach here. Um, yes, I'm, I'm currently active duty and I'm transferring back to my original uh, reserve component. And what she is referring to, the one that's going to be starting in the fall, I believe uh -huh. she's talking about being in an SMP slot, which basically lets the Army know that a person is a, in a specific type of school to where we can't get mobilized or deployed and everything of that nature while being in a certain particular circumstance. And if that's the case, then being that I just did three deployments back to back, um, I believe that will be something that I can run by the military. Um, and I believe also too, that would really, with you guys' program, that will really help me as far as like, because it's hybrid, it's, it's less intense in a sense. I think that really works for me in a sense, because we can always, it's a little bit different from the National Guard and then the reserve, uh, in the reserve, we can RST, which means we can miss our drill, but then we could make it up. So whenever we have like a break or something, that could be the opportunities where I tell the military, hey, I missed this due to school. Now I'm willing to make those days up and still, it helps me with finances too, because I can still get paid and help pay for a PT school like that. So um, I think that's one of the reasons why I wanted to ask you guys that question, because, you know, I'm up for reenlistment next year. So uh, just determining how school goes and how I get accepted and who's willing to work with me. And then I just keep that communication that that's important to me. So uh, thank you, Dr. Teso, for that. For sure. that. And if you'd like, she's in the Army currently. She's in San Antonio. Um, if you'd like, I'd be happy to pass along um, your info to her and see if she'll communicate that with you. Awesome. That would be great. Okay. If you want to just yeah. shoot me your email through chat or or email me, either way. Yes, ma'am. I'll be reaching out to you guys because uh, I, I have an interest in you guys at school. It looks like it's right up my alley. Terrific. Yeah. And yeah. 
One of the one of the really things that's neat about what you and, and this young lady are going to do is she intends to go back into the military and practice while she's in the military, which is awesome for a lot of reasons. Obviously, a lot of folks that practice in the military are very committed to vets um, and active duty. And you guys get to have a whole lot more um, practice um, arena than civilians do. So y'all get to do a whole lot more than we can do, um, which is really, really neat yeah. too. So it's actually a win-win for folks like yourself that are interested in that area. Yes, ma'am. Thank you. And sure. Zach, Zach, for both you and for all the students, um, we could give you your schedule for the next three years. That is great. We've got, we've got the dates planned for, because we need to know. Um, right. For instance, you know, we're in Louisville, Kentucky. We're not going to have lab during Kentucky Derby week. Right. Um, and, you know, that's a that's a reality. So we um, and we need to know. So we um, you'll know. Uh, if you want, we could send you the schedule for next year anytime, but you'll know. Um, I don't know any reason why we couldn't put tentative dates. There might, you know, some there may be a change here or there just in. But the general time frames are going to be the same. For instance, the, you know, Zach, one of the things that might be limiting um, would be like clinicals. Like when you're in 12 weeks of clinical. Well, I won't say, I won't say never, never say never, you know. But I think um, she said that how Zach stated is exactly right. Yeah. We talked about labs and stuff too. And I'm pretty sure what you're telling me is what she had said. Yes, ma'am. And, and, and for me, uh, everything still goes back to just communicate communicating with my chain of command and if we already have a schedule in place of upcoming events the, the awesome. military will work for you because they commend getting education for promotion uh the military the military has changed and they're pushing a lot of soldiers to hey get your education get your they commend that and we then we also get promotion points for all our credits and stuff so that's they great they wouldn't be against it. So mm -hmm. that's great. That's great it, news. It is. Tell, tell your friends, you know, that, that's, <laughs> that's, that's so exciting because, you know, I've, uh, I know there's a question about, um, and I'll let Dr. Tosso talk about how we get to know you all, get to know our applicants, but um, I come from a big family and I've got a lot of nephews and have, you know, kind of lived vicariously through their college experiences. And one of my nephews was a marching band member and he was on the five-year plan in college. So he could stay in the band another year. And I, you know, from going to football games, I mean, they were in a huge band, 500 person band. And, you know, after, after spending time, I'm like, I want, I want students that have been in the marching band. I want them in our program because I mean, they, they work hard and you have to learn something new every week. And, you know, just like in the military. So I, I'm like, um, I, you know, I wanted to go get my business cards, uh, my school cards out, you know, and, he was in college. Like, I want your, I want y'all to leave the band and and come to PT school because you'll be well prepared. Awesome, awesome. And then Casey, if you don't mind, we've got a couple questions about application. So I thought I would address that if that's okay with you. Absolutely. Okay. Um, so the way our basics, what we have as requirements is that you have to have a 3.0 cumulative GPA and prerequisite GPA. Um, 
for GREs, we have quote recommended 150. And we that's very um, flexible. When we first started, we had it required. And it was apparent that because of COVID, so many folks were having to take it at home, you know, amongst little kids and trying to find somewhere quiet and sharing internet and sharing computers and stuff. So we we dialed that back. So that's recommended, but that's not a deal breaker at all. Um, we require two reference letters, one from um, preferably like a professor, somebody that knows you academically, and then one from um, a physical therapist where you've done um, a minimum of 40 hours. They don't have to be all in one place, but we do require 40 hours. And the reason that we do that is we really want to know that you know what PT is all about. Um, because what we don't want to do is have you come in, waste your time and money and decide, oh, I really don't like this. Um, and this really isn't what I want to do. Um, so that's what we're trying to do with that piece. And that's really what we're looking for is, is that we want you to come in and be successful. And I know that's what you guys want. It's not fun when anything less than that happens. And let me add something to the GRE because there's a lot of programs that are that don't require or, or had it for a long time and are dropping it. Um, one of the things we've done a good job of in PT education is we, we do look at, we do do research on the things that predict success. And we know that um, certain GRE scores and the writing is, is a big one. Um, students with, you know, certain GRE scores that's correlated with completion of the program and passing your passing your boards on the first try. So, you know, think about if you're, the GRE is a burden. I mean, I wouldn't want to do it again, but also think about, you know, it's, it's just one more prep toward, we know that that's, there's a correlation between GRE scores and first time pass rate on the, the licensure exam. So that's, um, and as a new program, we, you know, we don't, we haven't had students in our program yet. Dr. Tasso and I and all our faculty, you know, we've got experience teaching, um, but we haven't had our own program yet. So we don't, um, you know, it's a, there's a lot of unknowns. So we want to have some, um, you know, some indicators that, um, like Dr. Tasso said, that um, will help, not guarantee success, but just, you know, help us um, be more confident in, in the applicants that we do take. I love it. I love it. Um, just so I don't lose this question. So we got the base requirements for that. Um, when you're looking, this is kind of going off of Sonia's question. When you're looking at an application and they have the base requirements or they're close enough to the requirements to fulfill kind of what we talked about earlier with kind of getting in to that uh, program that you guys have, what stands out to you guys or what makes you go, oh, interesting outside of the base requirements? Yeah, that's a great question. And, and one of the things too, I'll come back around to that. One of the things too is um, for probably 90, 95% of the cases, somebody that has a 3.0 and cumulative and prereq GPA and, and has halfway decent GREs um, and meets all those other um, requirements. Then what we do is we do a virtual interview and it's um, through what's called care assessments. And we've been thrilled with them. 
And so we submit for you to be invited for a Kira interview. And what they do is they'll give you a bunch of warm-up questions, as many as you want, as long as you want. And then you'll have four questions to answer. And I think each is like 90 seconds or whatever. And so that way you can do it on your time and your place when you're ready. And then we can view it. We don't have to have all the admissions committee in the same place. We take a look at those and then we discuss them. So the ideal sort of these days is what's referred to as the holistic admissions and, and also looking at um, extracurricular activities and that kind of thing. But we're really trying to not bias in any way, shape or form. We're really trying to look at um, your track record, where you are, um, and, and you meet all the criteria. And that's the basics. Hopefully, eventually, we'll be able to get to the holistics, but we just don't have the track record yet, like Dr. Zuber said, to be able to drop GREs and look more holistically at that kind of stuff. You know, part of my bias, too, is when... When I was trying to get into PT school, I didn't do a lot of extracurriculars because I was trying to get the grades. Um, so it, everybody approaches it differently and, and we really want to allow for that. And I'll, I'll add, um, we were thrilled when um, Kira became part of the PT cast because you know we, we thought it would just really meshed with our program. So if we're going to get applicants from all over the country, we don't want you to have to fly to Louisville to do an interview. And, you know, the Kira folks have been doing, have this platform. They've had it for a long time. They've used it in medical schools. They've used it in a, you know, they use it in industry, a lot of big companies. Um, and again, the, the pandemic has a lot of downsides, the pandemic, but, you know, we're learning that a lot of things like interviews can be done well remotely. And like Dr. Tasso said, um, you know, if you came to campus, um, I mean, I remember my interview. Um, I mean, I, I don't think I slept at all because I wanted to make, I mean, I wanted to be on the doorstep at five in the morning. Um, so I had to go to downtown Richmond, Virginia. And um, you can tell from my twang that I'm from, I wasn't from Richmond, the city of Richmond, Virginia. And, you know, I, uh, I had a friend that uh, said she got up the day, <laughs> the morning of her interview and Rather than reach for the conditioner, she put baby oil in her hair, and she had really <laughs> long hair. So she she went to the in a PT school interview. Now she's you know she got in, but even though her hair looked horrible, but you know those are just stressors. So we you know we just thought we were just so thrilled when um, Kira became part, and we learned about Kira, and and you know they worked with us. They wanted to got get to know us in terms of. You know what kind? What do you want us to ask your, you know, applicants? What what kind of questions? You know, you all, you know, they they work really work with us to get to know us, get to know the school, and so we've been we've been really happy with the um, the Kira, and again, the fact that you can do it from home, um, you get some practice. Um, we hope that that just, you know, decreases one more barrier to getting in. Perfect. Perfect. Good. Good. Um... I know we had a question in here about expiration dates, but somebody listening mm -hmm. on might have that as well. How does that work and why is it expiration dates on class? Mm -hmm. Yeah, great. I did um, directly answer that one um, for him. 
basically we, what happens is we have the 10 year period because say for example, you took in your first year, you took anatomy and physiology. And now when you start, that's 15 years ago and you're starting in a very intense advanced anatomy course, that's tough. So again, it's really to set you up for success. Um, if you had, say, a biology course before you took anatomy and that one was 15 years ago and your anatomy just took it last year, then it's not quite the different, the same. Or I had someone call me who um, had a PhD and was practicing in um, healthcare research. That person would be in a little bit different ball game. Or someone who was a physical therapist assistant and has been practicing for 10 years. So maybe their credentials are a little bit older. Um, so those are some of the exceptions we might consider. At the same time, we may recommend, hey, why don't you go ahead and take an AMP just so that you're okay when you, when you get ready to start. So it really is all about just trying to help folks be successful. Beautiful. Perfect. Perfect. Then, yeah, Zach, if you have questions about that or anybody else listening now or on replay, uh, definitely send them an email. We'll have that in the show notes and we'll talk about it at the end, too. Um, other question I had, let's talk about cost a little bit because I try to explain how this works and why it is and how it's usually a university thing. And it's not like just the director or chair saying, oh, we want this cost. Can you explain <laughs> a little bit about cost, what your cost is and why it's the way it is? It's definitely not our opinion. Absolutely no. <laughs> not. It would be about yeah. 50% or less of what it is if it was up to us. Yeah. But Lisa, I'll let you take that one too. Yeah. Um, and you know, I've been I've been doing this for a long time and you know, kind of been at an administrative level. So I've got a little more insight. Um, but you know, these um the programs are expensive for schools to start. And, you know, we have to, you know, to meet accreditation requirements we have to have a lot of faculty, you know, you can't just have three or four faculty because three or four of us don't have the broad range of expertise. We don't have the breadth and depth of expertise. So we need a lot of faculty. Um, we want to try with our faculty um, to be, you know, faculty can earn a lot more usually out in the clinic than they can as faculty. So, you know, we, we try to keep that gap narrow. So there's a lot of cost, um, you know, to make sure that students have, um, you know, like for instance, at Spalding University, we, I really wanted a cadaver lab. I think that experience is so necessary. And, you know, a cadaver lab added a million dollars almost to our um, renovation costs. But, you know, we're trying to, um, we're, we're really trying to, you know, so that meet the accreditation standards, but also just try to have the best program. And it's it's just not inexpensive. Um, and like Dr. Tigers said, um, the the university looks at a lot of things um, in deciding our cost. And um, but it's ultimately um, the administration's decision as to what the tuition will be. Perfect. Anything and else? And there's Casey. I'm sorry. There is, I don't know if you guys have talked about it at all, but there are some um, scholarships and those kinds of things available. Um, have you guys talked about the ones that are maybe on APTA? Not many, but there are some. Yeah, we have. And we can talk okay. about scholarships if we need to tonight, but yes. yes okay. Yes. But 
Um, okay, perfect, perfect. So the cost of your school, I remember a little bit from our conversation, Lisa, was how much per credit? Um, it's $1,060 per credit. Gotcha. And I think we calculate that's probably around 115-ish total? 116,600. 16,600. Perfect. Perfect. Good, good. Um, then the last- Can you tell he's done the paperwork on it? <laughs> Hey, hey, that's why you're both here. That's why you're both here. <laughs> that's exactly right. That's <laughs> um, let's see if I missed any questions. I have one more question. Uh, then if you guys have questions in the chat, you know, drop them below. Um, then we'll talk about anything else we need to as well. But how do students apply to your program? Sure. Um, probably the same way you've heard a bajillion times, which is through PT CAS. And I can send you that email if you don't have it. Um, would that be helpful, Casey, or do you guys? You can send it just in case. Okay, I'll, I'll go look it up and get that for you. Um, and, and that's really all. The one exception to that would be PTCAS closes May 15th. So if you're looking to apply to start in the fall of 2023, the best way, the easiest way is if you can apply, finish your application prior to that. <clears throat> After May 15th, we will still be um, having open enrollment, but then you're going to have to apply through the university. Um, so it's a little different. It's, it's a whole lot easier if you can get it in through PTCAS. If you're looking to apply for fall of next year, for fall of 2024 as a start, Wait till June 15th or later. That's when PTCAS will roll out the brand new 2024-2025 um, season, enrollment season. Yes, yeah, so, and that's, I'll just reemphasize, don't spend the money, if you if you don't think that you can start in, in 20, August of 23, um, don't spend the money with CAS because we, um, you, uh, the well, we have technically have access to application, but with the deal, you know, with our agreement with CAS, we we have to stop um, when they stop. Um, and it's just, you know, it the process is just a little bit easier if if you can do it through CAS. Perfect, perfect. Um, then Jerry has a question here for the week that students must spend on campus per month. Are there any local deals for students that don't live in Kentucky? Great question. Um, we are working, we are actively working on that in a lot of different ways. Um, currently, one of the things that we have is um, we have a listing of hotels and what their discount charges would be. The university is also um, actively trying to pursue um, obtaining graduate housing on campus um, for programs exactly like ours. That's not in the works yet, but they're working on it. The other thing that we're doing is um, we do have students currently that are gonna be in the area. And perhaps um, once, once folks say, yeah, you can share my email with my classmates, some folks may end up staying with each other um, there are other avenues that, that you guys probably are familiar with in terms of 
um, Airbnb, uh, Verbo, Craigslist, all those kinds of things too. And we would be help um, Andrew Botner, our department coordinator, um, is very familiar and Lisa is somewhat with the area and we'd be happy to help and let you know, no, don't go there. <laughs> yeah. Or yeah, that's a safe area or what whatever. Um, so that's kind of the current state of it. Um, when we would know about graduate housing, I don't know, but um, I'm thrilled that they're interested in doing that. Yeah, and like I said, we, because of Spalding's, you know, long, all the graduate programs we have, um, we have another program that's called Low Residency, our Master of Fine Arts. And we have, um, those students don't come as often as you all will, but the Brown Hotel is one that um, they give us a discount rate for them. Um, I think it's still a little pricey for, um, but there are, um, there are hotels, if, if that's where you wanna go, um, very, very close to campus. So, you know, even if you flew in, it really is feasible. Um, and again, we can help you, um, give you some advice about if that's the route you wanna go. But if you flew in, it, it'd be possible um, with our setup to um, stay downtown and, and um, Uber back and forth. Um, and there's, but you know, we the bus line is um, really accessible. Um, and, you know, because of our other graduate programs, we've got, especially our um, doctrine psychology program, it's been going on for a long time and they have a lot of students that come for five years. So, you know, they've, they've got a lot of, um, there's a lot of those students that could give you, uh, you know, we could put you in touch with to um, give you some advice about housing as well. Perfect. Perfect. Um, so just for that last question, again, about deadlines and for people who want to apply, let's just say somebody is watching this now versus somebody in the future. Uh, just to be clear on it, if you want to start at Spalding in August of 2023, you would either apply before PTCAS closes May 15th. However, you can still apply after May 15th to July 15th through the school's website. Yes. Correct. Okay. Yes. And if people are applying anytime after that for other cohorts, you would just apply directly through PTCAS. That's correct. Beautiful. Perfect. Perfect. Good, good. Um, so how can people either get in contact with either of you to stand out or ask more questions or clarify their situation to get into your school? What's the best way or best avenue um, to do that for students? Sure. I did throw our um website, the University DPT programs website and chat for you. Um, and Dr. Um, Zuber and my email um, are probably the easiest. Um, you want me to look up Andrew's phone number, Lisa? <laughs> yeah. Um, if you would, please, you probably. Yeah, I can tell you. So our um, our department coordinator is Andrew, A-N-D-R-U, and his phone number is 502-873-4449. And, and I'll put that in the chat too. He's a, a very, very nice guy. Beautiful. But, you know, e if you have our emails, did you, you put those in the chat? Um, yes. You know, if you want to get back on Zoom sometime, um, you know, want to, 
pick up the phone and call. Um, just let us know. We're we're available, and you know we again try to trying to within you know limits we have. Um, you know we're we're trying to decrease as many barriers as we can to to get you in, and hopefully they make you successful. Perfect, perfect. I love that when we first talked. Um, you were talking about breaking down barriers. And I was like, let's hear more about this. I like it. I like it. So this was great. If there's any last questions, you can drop them below. Um, but for those that those pieces of contact information, what type of questions would be better directed to Andrew versus Dr. Tasso versus you, Lisa, if that makes sense? Or does it matter? You're hmm. welcome to ask whoever, whatever. Um, Andrew is extremely good about if he knows the answer, he'll answer it. If he doesn't, he'll check with us. Perfect. Beautiful. Beautiful. So for those of you interested, sounds like many of you on here are interested in applying, get in that application um, sooner rather than later, as long as it's done and you know, you have the requirements. Uh, but like Lisa said, um, if it's better for you next year, you know, wait until next year as well, but definitely have them on your radar. They have a lot of great stuff um, for you guys. And they're definitely breaking down barriers to help you become physical therapists. So I hope you enjoyed this info session check them out, uh, get in contact with them. And who knows, maybe in a few years, five years, 10 years, you'd be like, yeah, back in 2023, I was, on <laughs> I was one of the first at Spalding and it'll be great. So definitely appreciate you guys taking your time out um, to share your program with us. Thank you. Appreciate Thank you, so God, much. you having us. And I think it's great what you're doing, Casey. That's awesome. That's awesome. Perfect. Thank you. Thank you so much. And Thank we'll you guys. Keep in contact. Have a good night. Uh -huh. everybody. Take care. Bye.